0: Patrick's a good person. I think what goes on in Stevie and David's heads are probably not as pure or well-intentioned as Patrick's. But I think it was more symbolic of just, you've found someone that cares. You've found someone that really just wants to be there for you. So like, why are you making this more complicated than it needs to be?
1: Hi, everyone. Welcome to EW Onset. I'm Shana Naomi Crockmall.
2: And I'm Patrick Gomez. This is Entertainment Weekly's exclusive companion podcast to the sixth and final season of Shits Creek. Oh, so final. Uh, we are going to be here every week with recaps. Every week, I guess, you know, just this week and next. Jesus. Yeah. Um, with exclusive Onset interviews with the cast. And we're here now with the first half of the big two-part series finale.
1: Ugh. I feel like we should acknowledge that this is this is the first of these that we are recording from our respective homes instead of squeezed into a room all together, um, and obviously a lot has changed in the world since we last gathered to talk about things. We had pre-taped a couple of episodes, but now we are back in real time. We are all socially distanced, but watching each other on Zoom as we record this, um, and and we've also, we've just been working our way through this like everyone else. I think for us and many fans, as we've heard on social, Shit's Creek has continued to be a real uh, safe space in the midst of all of that. Um, and it is weird to talk about it and know that we are so close to things ending. But also, I'm glad that we get to have this time to talk through all the feelings that we have about these last final episodes because they are so emotional, so heartfelt Um Today, we're talking about 613, uh, which is written by Dan Levy, directed by Jordan Canning. You'll be hearing from Dan Levy, Noah Reed, Eugene Levy, Annie Murphy, Emily Hampshire, Sarah Levy. Uh, This is an episode that Patrick and I were on set to uh, actually see a fair amount of recorded. Some um, of it through tears. (laughs) Through tears. We cried a lot on set. Um, But it was... Uh, a real privilege to get to see and hear them work on this. It's um, it's a really big part. This is like the first half of the finale. Where should we start? So much happened. We had so many feelings about it. Um, Moira gets the Sunrise Bay reboot. When forced to
3: choose between Clifton and myself, they decided mine was the bigger name. What? So it's happening?
1: All of that tough negotiating And the tennis
2: bracelet, yeah. So
1: she and Johnny decide that they are going to move to California. So he will run Rosebud from there while she pursues this new chapter in her acting career
2: and we also uh find out that alexis is gonna go to new york by herself because uh guess what uh david and patrick are going to stay in Shit's creek along with stevie who we also thought was possibly going to new york
4: and i'm gonna travel around and set up all the new motels i mean i realized i didn't need to live in a big city i guess i just needed to know that i could
1: so i feel like she gets a little bit of both the stay home and the see the world that maybe she was never going to get to do with Larry Eyre, but now she'll get to in a much in a much better capacity.
2: I, one of the things I love that they did is now all the pieces are in motion. Um, for the most part, uh, this kind of took care of all like the um, nuts and bolts of where you know people are at least at least as as of this episode headed. Um, so I'm hoping that that means that this final episode really can just be a celebration of the show. Like we kind of got the plot out of the way and now I just want to sit in this world with these characters for just a little bit longer.
1: We also, I love that through all of these years of Twyla, poor Twyla, who we've like literally at various points been like, is Twyla okay? Like is a question we asked Sarah Levy. We now know that Twyla has been just fine.
5: I won some money in the lottery a few years ago. Oh my god, Twy, <laughs> Go you. Why did you not tell me this before? Well, because you guys had just gotten here, and and you had just lost all your money. Well, what was I going to say? I just won $92 million? You won $92 million? Oh, no, sorry.
6: Okay, okay, because I was, like, literally about to pass out.
1: <laughs> yeah, so Twyla turns out to be maybe the most good-hearted person or have always been the most good-hearted person in Shit's Creek. Um, I think always, always. But to have had like a very interesting twist, and she buys the cafe. So I like. I agree with you, Patrick. I like that we get we get a lot of the sort of like who goes where taken care of here. I feel like especially, you know, it's nice to kind of get to that place from where we were at the end of six twelve, where we I think felt very emotional. We know a lot of the fans felt really emotional that this idea of like that final shot of patrick and how he feels about the seemingly imminent prospect of them moving to new york um i'm glad that we weren't left in that state of suspense very long (laughs) uh, because it was a weird place to be in and not one that we've we've been in on the show really maybe since like the barbecue and the sort of questions around patrick's fiance and everything that came up so you know it was it was weird i'm glad we resolved it we sort of like moved through to this beautiful storyline about this house the perfect holiday inspired house for patrick and david
7: what about new york i thought that's where you wanted to be i thought so too but it's not where you want to be and i don't want to be anywhere you don't want David, I promise I will make
0: you so happy here. It was so sweet because,
2: you know, we did have that fear of like, oh God, like, is this going to be the final act? Like, if this was a romantic comedy, is this the fight that almost leads to not having a wedding sort of situation with um, Patrick not wanting to move to New York? Uh, But in this episode, he kind of is at peace with it. And he's like, you know what, if that's what you want, like, let's do it. Um... And, you know, obviously it all ends up with the fact that uh, is not the only one that makes a big purchase in this episode. Uh, David at least puts in an offer, whatever that means, apparently. He's not
1: sure either. He's
2: not sure what it means, and that's fine.
1: Let's talk about the scene where Stevie accidentally tells David that Patrick has been looking at a house. Because, you know, David comes in, he's excited by this prospect, he has, you know, and, and Stevie genuinely seems to not realize that he isn't aware that this house that he has sort of like dreamily been pointing out as he's been driving around town with Patrick, that Patrick has actually taken steps to see whether that house might be available for them to live in. And there's just like such a, such a journey (laughs) on David's face through that. It's like, he's, it's so quick that he realizes, you know, that he has to do something about this. That there's like he has made this assumption that Patrick is just like good to go and happy to come to New York. And and it's it's so watching him in that scene is really emotional because he just so clearly like ha- like realizes wait I maybe I've been thinking about this all wrong. Like this is this whole other idea and now I have to deal with it. And it's I appreciated it through this this whole episode how that like kind of moments in 612 where i think we saw david revert a little bit and be just a little bit more selfish and really just be thinking about what he was excited about and assume that you know his fiance is coming along for the ride that instead he very quickly sort of resets and takes that more more thoughtful step back so that they can figure out what it would mean for them to do this or what they have to talk about
2: so one of the scenes we actually were uh, there to see for this episode was um, first uh, Stevie and David sitting on that car, uh, having that discussion about the house. Um, And they did that scene uh, more than a few times. And every single time, Dan Levy was able to just, like, pull the right amount of emotion. Like, not really be crying, but just, like, the tears welling
5: up. Oh, he
1: was crying. He cried so much on that first take, they had to stop for a minute and, like come back and actually, like, clean things up and, like, fix the makeup and all of that. And then I feel like after the first take, it was a little bit more subdued, but it was emotional to watch.
2: What was really interesting about watching them film both that scene and then we also, right after that, they shot the scene with, um, where Patrick is blindfolded, um, was that it was towards the end of the day and they knew they were losing light. And so for them to all like really kick it into high gear and say like, okay, no matter what, we need to get this shot and get this shot right um, before the sun goes down. Um, that was really exciting. We actually have a little audio of us uh, when we were there um, on set. Uh, fair warning, if we don't make any sense, it's because we were on the verge of tears or actively crying at the time.
0: What's going on, David? you bring up. a... Bandana? Shit, sorry.
1: Hi, uh, so we're at the second location of the day and we're already emotionally compromised. In tears. We literally started crying during the first take of this scene.
4: (laughs) Alright, let's get uh, cameras up, please. Just, I think, for the smell Uh, joke to play. He's not smelling it from here! (laughs) Not her. (laughs) Oh my god! Take one. Why do you want to go back to a place that... (gasps) UGH! Start again. Yeah,
1: sorry, sorry. So, lots more really emotional stuff to shoot today. Um, been a long day already, but everyone's good spirits. Um, I think everyone. They pass around. A,
2: I mean, the craft services, by the way, on Schitt's Creek is one of the best. Um, crazy. They just pass around candy and cookies. Fresh baked cookies. Fresh baked cookies crazy. this morning. that were smoothies. It's it's a, it's it's not a bad set to, have to spend day on. That's for sure. Um, of course, like we're talking about the fun behind-the-scenes logistical stuff, but there was a lot of uh, emotion in this in these two scenes, um, and we actually spoke to Emily Hampshire, Dan Levy, and Noah Reed about shooting these scenes outside of that actual house that had a fantastic dog. <laughs> um, and uh, you're going to hear them uh, tell us a little bit about uh, this new development in David and Patrick's life.
1: You just shot a very emotional scene with Dan about coming to this house to see that, that Patrick has been, has picked out for him, which you tell you tell David about. Um, Accidentally. Acc- <laughs> Is it an accident? <laughs> I mean, when I first
4: tell him about it, I think he knows about it. And Stevie's like the worst liar. <laughs> um, and or like when she, she kind of like tells him about it and then realizes he doesn't know and then tries to like... Um, just back up but it doesn't we've all been there yeah yes yes how did the scene that you just shot feel i mean that scene felt like the best (sighs) ending even though it's not the ending but it felt like the best ending to david and stevie's relationship um it feels like it just came so full circle and it was actually really (sighs) I wouldn't say fun is the wrong word. I usually never have fun having fun anyways, but like uh, it just felt like warm and comfortable and good in a way that you wouldn't think of with an emotional scene like that. But it it just felt like David and Stevie being deeply honest with each other, being their most themselves themselves with each other without kind of the sarcasm and the um, the things that, Make it easier to not have a real moment. You're
1: being good friends to each other, yeah. like in that hard way. Oh, in that oh, exactly. you're nice people.
2: You're being nice people in that moment. <laughs>
1: you're actually being a good person because good you person. are That's telling him yeah. that truth and really challenging him. But it is like we yeah. cried like literally within like ten seconds of the first take. By oh, the way, I mean we you should have seen us at there. the
4: read through of this episode, but in this scene, I was dying, but like, there's so much in it because like you said, good people, like, as I was saying that I realized, and I only realized it actually in the moment, is that like, good people like Patrick, not like these people in New York, these are good people. And like, this is what good people do. And even though I make the joke of like, like not like us, but we're being good people to each other here. Um, I mean, the whole show... People are ultimately good people to each other.
1: Okay, you're going to make me cry now. (laughs) (laughs) Because I just so believe that that is what sets the show apart, is it Mm -hmm. has such a belief in the goodness of people who don't maybe think that they're good people or don't know how on paper to be a good person and yet are like fumbling through it and figuring it out. Yeah.
2: You had us in tears with this scene uh, with... David and mm. and uh, Stevie on the car watching mm-hmm. that was such a treat and we were glad <laughs> to be there, crying and laughing mm-hmm. and talk to us about what what was your mindseting because you were like you saw us you were waving laughing everything mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden you just sit on the car and you're like you're bawling
0: right <laughs>
1: um, you're a very good crier oh very good championship crier
0: thank you very, very much impressed.
1: yeah well. <sighs>
0: it- <laughs> I, I do feel like you guys came on a day that was very, there was a lot going on. Um, yes,
1: thank you. You guys that, have a crack
0: publicity team that chose really good scenes for us <laughs> to see. Yeah. That scene, I think, spoke so much to the character's entire journey. And, you know, it's it comes in a very pivotal point in the show and in his life. and. There are these moments as you wrap up the whole series where you realize like some characters really need to go through it um, and they've earned that. And I, I think also as a as a, you know, knowing that this is a comedy, you never want anything to play too heavy or too sincere or too emotional. But for me, the most exciting times are where we feel like we've earned those moments and you can really take the all the sort of expectation out of it and just play it real and obviously there's, there's going to be comedy and it will always.:
1: Oh, by the way, that farm that across the street actually smelled when we Oh by the together. end of the day Absolutely. Yeah. No, there was manure. was not just a joke on the page. <laughs> it's it pungent.: over Fortunately,
0: here. it helped the whole experience, but <laughs> yeah. um, really method, you poured that manure.: <laughs> right? Yeah. And I think like, you know, in terms of crying, I don't even know if that's acting. I think that's just having spent six years with this person and feeling so much for him in that moment.
1: When we talked to Emily yesterday, she talked a lot in like really, really moving ways about how this scene really is that sort of all of the growth that's happened between Mm -hmm. these characters and all of the ways that they have struggled to think they're even worthy of being best friends or Mm -hmm. having best friends sort of comes through in that moment where we hear Stevie like give a lot of very sort of tough love information, like your friends Aren't coming, right? These people you think are your friends, like what are you Pretty doing? Difference. This yeah. is great, like what's wrong with you? Why won't you yeah. just like embrace what you have? But can you talk a little bit about sort of how how you got to that moment, like and what I think in particular there was a moment when we were talking. There's the line where Stevie says, "You know, this is what good people do, not mm. that we know, or mm-hmm. something like that." And and that's obviously not true, right? Obviously, David and Stevie are good people, right? Just not
0: the conventional kind of good. Okay. Like Patrick's a good person. I think what goes on in Stevie and David's heads are probably not as pure or well-intentioned as as Patrick's. Um, But I think it was more symbolic of just you found someone that cares and it doesn't come with, uh, you know, uh, any kind of like demands. Demands, there's no expectations. It's just you've found someone that really just wants to be there for you. So like why are you making this more complicated than it needs to be? And also, who are you living your life for? And I think for David, that his character since day 1 has been sort of slowly dismantling the uh the wall that he has put up between himself and the judgment of other people. So to k- kind of build that uh, to this scene where it's it all comes sort of crashing down and it's like, well, it's right in front of you, quite literally, so why, why all of this? Why do you still feel the need to go back? Um, was, it just happened. I mean, I think we, we've been very lucky in the sense that the storytelling has just all fallen into place. So these moments that feel kind of like cross-sections of different times in people's lives with the emotional states all really... Um, they just happened mm-hmm. and writing them was actually very not easy but smooth it was I've, I've had much harder times writing scenes that were far less
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know consequential
1: mm-hmm. then we see david bring patrick to the house yeah and he knows patrick has been you know looking for him and is maybe interested in buying for yeah. him and reveals that he has in fact made an offer on the house
2: mm-hmm. um walk us through the decision
0: to have David decide to stay. I think at the end of the day, if you were to really sit down with these characters, the show itself is essentially like someone saying, let's take five and take you out of your life for six seasons in our case. But in reality, it's about three and a half years. And really deprogram everything that you thought was important and valuable and Send you back into the world as quote unquote better people. That's something that nobody has the opportunity to do, and that I think is what's been so special about this show. So if you were to think about someone like Moira, as much as fans you know want her to stay in the town and they want Johnny to stay and Alexis to stay and the family to stay there for the rest of their lives. I think the big the the challenge was. How can you reconcile what the fans expect, which is for this all to live happily ever after in a motel for the rest of time, with what the characters really want? And those characters, as much as they love this place, are destined for bigger things. Johnny does want to get his business back up and running and be in the center of everything. And Moira does want everything that she had before, but she wants it now with a slightly clearer perspective. And with a level of gratitude that I think they never had before. And I think for someone like Alexis, who's really come here and instantaneously tried to make the best of a a bad situation, um, that's what she was doing. She was making the best of a situation that that never really fit for her. She was always a little bit you know her stories and the life she's led that was a life that she found very exciting and that she really liked i think the people she surrounded herself with were probably not the best people but she thrives in high-stakes situations so to send her back out into the world like a changed person but with an an even greater sense of you know inspiration and ambition was a really for us, was really valuable and something that I think really respected the character. And David was the only one that never seemed to fit in, if you were to think about it, in the big cities. And it wasn't until he came here and met people and ingratiated himself as best he could in this town that he realized, like, oh, there's a place for me here. So I think that it really just—we sat with those characters for a long time and thought, okay— should they all leave? Should they all stay? Should some of them leave? Should some, should some of them stay? And, um, and it just, it became very clear that David was the one that should stay because he was the one that wanted to leave the most. I mean, him and Moira, but, um, and it also creates a tie to the town and, um, and a way for the audience to feel like we're not just up mm-hmm. and leaving this place. They'll always have a home here.
1: And They'll always his, be someone. It was his town,
0: yeah, yeah. It was given it to l- him. It it was given to him, and here he is staying. So yeah, it was it was an it was a tough that was a tough sort of brainstorm. But it, once you really thought about the characters and removed audience expectation, that's when it all became
7: quite quite clear.
1: Tell us about this scene from today.
7: Well, uh, this is uh, I guess one of our our big. Uh, big emotional moments of, of the season and of, of the series really for, for David and Patrick. They, they, this is the scene where we find out that we are going to stay in Schitt's Creek and have, have bought a house. You know, Patrick doesn't know that blindfolded and then is sort of uh, surprised with this, this house that he thought we were going to, we were going to live in anyway. So it's uh it'll be a, a, a sweet little moment, I think. Um, for for the two of them and uh and a big step in a relationship for sure
1: how did you feel when you guys did the first table read for this
7: oh uh (laughs) it was the table reads got more and more emotional and this one was probably the most the most emotional dan was sitting next to me uh openly weeping and this noise emerged from him uh uh that i then started calling the noise it was like him trying to contain the tears so much and it just like would sort of result in this sort of like snorting noise and like him, like trying desperately not to cry. And then at moments, just you'd look around the table and everybody was just in pieces. So it was uh, probably a longer table read than usual. Um, <laughs> we had a lot of c- crying pauses and a lot of, uh, a lot of reaching for tissues and uh, yeah, it, it was uh it was fun.
1: Did you did you cry?
7: <laughs> no, I'm the I'm the least emotional of the cast, I would say probably. I mean, and that's that's probably partially because uh I've I've lived in the house that is Schitt's Creek for for less time, but also because I think I've sort of exist in a in a Patrick world where he's sort of like just holding it all together, being the being the glue of the situation. And so I felt like my job in that table read was just to put a hand on Dan's shoulder and try to get him through it.
1: Um, if you can hear some ringing in the background, by the way, we're in a like, cottage to the, like, a guest house to the side of where the house is. We're, house we're in being Patrick shot. and
2: David's dream house right now. Or we're yeah. in, like, the guest house where the,
1: people can come stay. This is exactly
2: how David would have uh, <laughs> decorated it, I'm it's, sure. It is
1: beautiful, but it is yeah. maybe not to his taste. There's colors um, other
7: than white and black is all I we're saying.
1: I think this is yeah. Patrick's man
7: cave. I see, I'm seeing
1: two Basically, turntables over there. I see there's a, there's a, there's a behind you. A, there's a
7: beanie baby.
2: There's the Canada beanie baby over there. I did see... <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, anyway, that's that's what the ringing noise in the middle of that was. We all know how to turn our phones off. Just want to give a shout out to the locations manager for Shits Creek, who not only did an amazing job of finding these gorgeous locations that we were in, but also like helped like all of the people who were there, the crew and the teams that we were working with from the show helped facilitate different places we could record interviews. And unlike, you've heard us refer to the interrogation room in the bank building basement, where a number of these (laughs) interviews we did, actually the day after this, were taped. This day, we were like in the most luxurious, as like Noah was kind of joking, like sort of man cave guest cottage behind this house that they let us set up in. I'll post some photos on social because we took some pictures because it was just a ridiculously adorable room. It was so luxurious.
2: It's exactly (laughs) what you imagine of like a rural Canada, like guest room with like moose things and antlers. And (laughs) it was, it was great.
1: It was ridiculous. It was a wonderful place to have these conversations. I appreciated how homey it was because I felt like this, these were the most emotional conversations we had on set with people. And like, in the midst of like Emily crying and like other people really like being just very sincere and and vulnerable in like how they were reacting to things. It was great to be in this like very homey sort of vibe at the same time.
2: Yeah. But that, okay. So that wasn't the only time you got to talk to him
1: because. Because as you have all now seen, uh, we shot these gorgeous digital covers uh, with Diana Noah for EW this like harkens way back to literally during this trip we were in a lo- like a location van being driven from point A to point B or point X to point Y at that point point. and um, Patrick and I were just brainstorming ideas and we had kind of had a little bit of this idea about like romance novel covers or rom coms and we just started having the conversation with one of the reps from the show and I think it, you know one of those moments you sort of start talking and you're like. We're just going to see how this goes. Like do they hate this idea? Do they cuz if so, we'll just all act like it was a joke and keep moving and be like that's a ridiculous idea. We would never do that. And instead, they were like that sounds interesting, <laughs> which was um maybe something that they should have thought through a little bit more before they said that because it ended up being this amazing opportunity to have Dan and Noah recreate three beautiful romantic moments from 16 Candles to Notting Hill to Casablanca. And we're so excited to have seen that finally now get to a place where we could share it with all of you. Um, Thank you to everyone for all of your, your feedback on that. We also got to spend a pretty significant amount of time with them that day um, just talking about the history of that relationship, about their own lives. We played some other fun games and did some stuff. Some of it has already been released. Some of it actually is still going to be released after this podcast comes out. Um, and But we did have the opportunity to sit down with them and talk with them at some length in a way that we have been weaving into this podcast because we could use the audio But we couldn't use the video because then he would have seen them sitting on this photo set together. Um, So we've been like sneaking some of this in ahead of time, ahead of that cover story. Um, But they've got a lot to say still. And here's some more to hear from both Dan and Noah about this relationship and where they're at in this episode. You know, I think uh,
0: David wanted to go and do this, and he wanted to be a certain person and like return to where he was from and show people what he was all about. And I think it, it wasn't until Stevie mentioned the, the idea that Patrick had been exploring the option of getting this house that David had always wanted because it reminded him of Kate Winslet's cottage from the holiday, <laughs> which, I mean, who wouldn't want to live there? That, I think, really grounded the whole conversation in something real. And it was like, oh, this is like the rest of my life and it's not just sort of an impulse and it's not a whim and it's not just something that I'm doing for my ego. It's like, oh, this is real and this is more substantial than just what's at play. And I think um, that really started the domino effect for David in terms of reassessing how and why and I think ultimately pushed him to the point where he acknowledged his whole chip on his shoulder which Mm -hmm. had been six seasons of sort of we've been slowly chipping away (laughs) at him admitting uh why and how he is the way he
7: is well and it's a it's a the the whole thing is a huge opportunity not to just go back to the old ways Mm -hmm. at the first opportunity i feel like there's a sort of a uh a knee-jerk reaction of, like, yes, we, we're getting it back, we're getting it back, I'm going to go, I'm going to show them, right. you know? And then having that moment of, like, taking a step back, looking at things as they are now, as they've evolved in a positive way, hmm. and sort of allowing a new reality to be.
2: I have to gush as, as a fan of these covers. Like, they were so beautiful, and the amount of uh, video that you got with them, I just can't wait to for everyone to get to see it all. Um, so Patrick, when guys... you started
1: that sentence, I thought you were just going to talk about the show. Oh,
2: know. no. I'm talking <laughs> about uh, these fantastic covers. And, and really, is um, being very kind uh, to include me as such a large part of this. Was This has been so much of Shayna's um brainchild uh these covers and the video concepts and all of the great content you're going to continue to see um so i i is just a fan of all of this shayna i'm very appreciative as i know people have said on twitter and and thank you all for including me in the thank yous but really it it is to you that this all this like came together in such a beautiful beautiful way um and i can't wait for people to get to see more of it because guys i've seen more of it than you have yet
1: (laughs) there's still more to come thank you that's really sweet I'm gonna cry if we talk about that too much more all I, right well then let's know. talk
2: about let's talk about Moira and Johnny then let's talk yes. about Moira and Johnny and uh, the change of plans uh, the episode starts off with Moira kind of trying to figure out how she can use being in New York and and Johnny working to her advantage. She she wants to get a billboard back up in Times Square as we learned she had during the video days, which is great. I wish she that She wants they... to,
1: like, brag to all of their sort of ex-friends. Like, she doesn't even really care so much about seeing them. She just wants them to know they're back.
2: I love that she's like, oh, she won't return my call, but she'll tell everyone anyway. I love that so much. I do wish that this was like a family guy kind of show in moments like uh, when we get this or when we get Alexis's backstories. Like, I I wish we could just like, I want somebody to do an animated series uh, about um, this show so they could cut away and we could see things like Moira's ad.
1: I love that Moira gets to have her moment of triumph, not just with her shitty old society friends, but also (laughs) with Sunrise Bay. And that she does it on her terms and that she gets her diamond bracelet and that she gets Clifton written off the show. And although we didn't learn in what way, in what manner of death... (laughs) does Clifton meet his end, which I am a little sad about because that was sort of part of the terms. And I assume if she got everything she wanted, that should be part of it. So I'd love to hear. Please tell me on Twitter what you think is the way that Moira suggested that Clifton be killed off. Maybe we'll get a line in
2: the finale. Maybe it'll be like a throwaway. Maybe we'll find
1: out. I still have faith. (laughs) That would be a real callback. That would be be great. Um, And just everything about that was adorable. And I just, I have to say, I really loved... I loved Johnny and Moira so much in this episode. They were, like, so great together. And even when even when Johnny is having to sort of calm Moira out a little bit when she's so ready to, like, try to make David reschedule his wedding so that she can not have to change her departure date with her lay-flat seat, like, I, they're just so – it's such a testament to the two of them and how he's like, I want this for you, and you got this, and so I will figure out how to make my business work and – it's a great, it, for a, a kind of like finale episodes that are very much about a wedding, it's wonderful to see this other marriage that can be celebrated like this.
2: Uh, we actually uh, spoke to Eugene a little bit about what this means for uh, Moira and Johnny um, and their future. Business is important to Johnny. You know, he's always been a businessman. So what does it mean to him to choose to go to California with Moira rather than stay where the hub of the business is?
3: Well, I think the I think the for Johnny the 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 business can be run, you know. I mean, he 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 can he can run his end of the business from California. That's not the thing. It really had more to do with Moira mm-hmm. and Johnny is always there now to kind of support Moira. The thing about the Rose family before shitt's Creek was that they were all doing whatever it is they did, and they were all doing it kind of disparately and separately. Um, and I think over the six, uh, uh, oh, oh, well, in terms of chronology, I guess it's about three years that they've been in Schitt's Creek since this all started. <clears throat> they've grown. Uh, Johnny will go now to California to support Moira and be there for her. And he's still able to do what he's able to do from there. And, you know, if he has to travel, he'll travel, but he he will come back. We'll be right back with more E.W. on set. Hey everyone, I'm Sid
0: Evans, editor in chief of Southern Living and host of Biscuits and Jam. Since 2020, I've been interviewing musicians, chefs, authors, and other Southern icons about their family traditions, their faith,
1: Twyla's won the lottery.
2: I love this reveal. I mean, <laughs> it is they're, they're just, their just like... They're
1: share clothes. They're just like... Everything about this is so great.
2: Alexis was all of us when when Twyla dropped the news. Yes. Like, her face, just that, like, what? Like, the slack jaw. And then she's and then she gets confused about how much money... Like, it's amazing.
4: It's
1: all great. And I, I think that this, to me, this scene, this scene more than maybe any of the other scenes in this episode, even... Like, t- was such the epitome of this moment of growth, right? That you have this moment where Alexis and you can tell she almost, she's almost like, sure. Like, let's do that. (laughs) And sure. I'll take this check you're offering me. And, and I'm jealous a little bit, but I love you. And, and, but what does this mean? Like there's so much happening there. And the moment truly that has made me cry without fail, the number, like all of the times I watched this episode so far has been the moment of Annie, of Alexis handing back that check. Cause it just, to me was like, ah, this girl has come so far. She is not the girl who came here. Uh, however many years ago it was in Shit's Creek time. She is a different person in the best possible way. Um, and it just really got me, maybe I should have saved that for our heartfelt moments, but, um, Yeah. There's a lot in this episode to choose from.
2: What I love is, as you mentioned, you know, this is not the Alexis that we saw in season one. And I think that Alexis would have proactively gone to Twyla and been like, Hey girl, like give me some of your money. And yet we end up with an Alexis that wants to do things on her own. And is like, you know what? I appreciate the gesture and it's very, very sweet, but I'm good. I know what I'm doing and I have confidence and faith in myself and uh, I'm going to do this on my own. And it's it's a beautiful, beautiful moment for her. But also a beautiful moment for Twyla to be like, because she, she at least seemingly is not someone who has not had a ton of uh, close family that has been good. And so I think that's why she's kind of latched onto the roses in the way that she has. Um, and we kind of get to see her... Um, try to give back to them even though they really have just taken from her even when they're not trying to.
1: I love that somehow this seems like the most ridiculous thing that has happened on Schitt's Creek, right? Somehow more ridiculous than the Croning, more ridiculous than the viral stunt of the Croning, more ridiculous than Sunset Bay, but... Sunrise Bay? I can't even... Sunrise Bay. But, like, somehow Twyla has won millions of dollars in a lottery. And on the other hand, it seems like If you could ever think of a person who like more deserves to win the lottery and who you would be less envious of or mad at and who has put up with so much, I just keep thinking of the episode where she um, has broken her leg or her foot or whatever it is. And like Johnny is trying to help her, help her, so to speak, at the cafe by taking orders and sort of working as a waiter, but in the somewhat least helpful way possible for like half of it. And then you know, charitably gives his tips or shares his tips. And it's just like, uh, Twyla has, like, this is a ridiculous storyline and I don't care and I love it. And I am here for it. I feel like Twyla has earned this in her, in her life in Schitt's Creek. And who even knows? I mean, we know a little bit about it from her mom and all her stories about her mom what her life was like before the Rose family came. So like, good for you, Twyla. Play that lottery ticket win that money do something else that's great with it
2: i I love it and uh we spoke to annie murphy and sarah levy uh, about twyla and alexis's relationship and what this money exchange means um and it was just really sweet because you can tell the two actresses love each other as actresses and we're really glad that these moments came about for their
0: characters
1: Toward the end, in 613, it is revealed that Twyla secretly won the lottery and has this whole time, in fact, had quite a bit of money Yeah. while the Rose family obviously has been struggling to figure out what to do. Isn't that perfect? I I
6: couldn't have been happier when I read that script. I was like, thank God, this is perfect.
1: And then you, (laughs) your two characters have like some very sweet moments about that. Yeah. Talk
2: to us about saying goodbye to Twyla, the character, but also... The whole journey that you guys have gone on to come close.
6: Yeah, that that was actually my first first big cry um, was when Sarah and I had our last. Actually, we cried basically all day because we had we said goodbye to each other. We had our last scene in the cafe together. Just Alexis sitting on one side and, and Twilight like mopping down on the other, and then our very next scene was when Twilight comes to give the check to Alexis. Um, so we were also empty of tears by the end of that day. But I love so much the relationship between Alexis and Twyla because it started out I think one of Alexis's first interactions with Twyla was throwing a muffin at her back to get her attention (laughs) at the cafe. And then it ends with this promise of visiting each other and this really special, lovely exchange of kind of a confession of true friendship. And Sarah Levy is such a dear friend of mine, and I think she's played the role of Twyla so beautifully and has given her such warmth and curiosity and kindness. And um, so it's been a really, really... I've just had the best time working with her, and I'm really appreciative to the writers for writing such an interesting kind of female friendship and weaving that out throughout the the seasons. (laughs)
5: Nobody had seen that script, and it was the second last episode, so everyone was really mentally preparing for the last episode table read of just, like, waterworks, and they had, like, a camera come in to capture everything. That was... where the Little did we know, it was the second last episode table read that was leaving everybody in a complete disastrous mess. And I could barely get through reading those scenes, let alone just, I mean, like everyone was sobbing. Um, But she, she wins this money and knows that she doesn't want anything more but to live her life the way she's been living it in this town with these people. And she's wise enough to know that money can change you. And, and not everybody needs extravagance. You can just You can just be comfortable living your life and it doesn't really matter how much money you have. And I think everyone sort of wondered why she was still working at the cafe. And that is a question that Alexis asks during that scene. And and she just loves being there with the people and and watching families grow and kids grow and and. Um, you know her. Her friends come in, and that's—it's really all she needs. And I think that was just such an unbelievable learning experience for everybody, because it's—it's it, it's just so—it's such a treat to see that on screen. You know, mm-hmm. such a wonderful lesson.
2: Talk to us about uh, her and Alexis and the the gifts you bestows on her.
5: So Alexis initially, um, I think, gives. Twyla the idea without actually giving her the idea of buying the cafe, um, and she says, you know, it's it's okay to spend money on some things that are important to you. And I don't think that necessarily occurred to Twyla before that 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 was okay um, if it's something special and and really means something. And that sparked the idea of Twyla buying the cafe, um, and of course Alexis kind of gifting some some dresses to Twyla as she was leaving. But the the second scene we have of that episode um, is really just a goodbye and a gesture from Twyla to help Alexis set up her life in New York. She knows David's not going and she wants her to be comfortable and that Alexis was gonna get this two bedroom apartment and everything and, and having David pull out, she was just sort of on her own and it was the the least thing that, you know, the least amount that she could do to to send her off into the world again as a changed woman in a way. It's the same in a lot of ways, but but changed in in more. So that was so, so emotional. I mean, we were a mess shooting that because Annie is such a special person to me we've become such close friends over these past six years and we really cherished those scenes together and having that be our very 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 last scene just the two of us was so emotional um and sad and wonderful and And all of those things, because I just, I love her so, so, so much as a person. She's one of the best women I've ever met. And I don't think their relationship on the show would be their relationship had we not had the relationship that we had. Here are two women who did not know each other before they made the show
1: and who have become such close friends. Um, I had an opportunity to, like, moderate a panel with the two of them, and they just genuinely adore each other so much. And, like, uh, they have a million stories to tell about each other. And to and they kept sort of telling little stories to kind of boost each other up. Or, like, you're not giving yourself enough credit. Let me tell this story about something kind and wonderful you did on set. Just back and forth and back and forth. Somewhere in there, I feel like we had a conversation about how the check that comes, that, like, Twyla brings to Alexis's house, that they just wanted it to be, like, a giant, oversized, like, publisher's clearinghouse kind of check, which obviously the creative team at Shit's Creek maybe did not think was the right way to handle that. But I like to imagine there's a version of it out there made out to Alexis Rose. I mean, in,
2: in our, in our newly pitched uh, Shit's Creek animated series, yes. um, <laughs> uh, that is what will happen. I at least want a graphic novel. Somebody get working on it, please.
1: Uh, I think that would be Carly, our producer and editor and graphic novel creator. Um, definitely needs to get right on that
2: um but yeah i mean that that was this episode of 613
1: those are the Man. those are the interviews that was the episode i can't, i i there's one there's one more but let's let's do our favorites of the week before we get into the real sad end of this episode <laughs>
2: Okay, so let's kick off with the Rose Family Celebrity Name Drop of the Week. Shana, did you track any?
1: No, I don't. Like, we both, like, watched this episode multiple times. I texted Carly today and was like, did I miss it? This is, I think, the first episode of this season, certainly, without any real celebrity name drop. The one I wrote down was when um, Johnny shows up with pizza for all of them sort of towards the end of the episode.
0: Wait, one pizza? What is this, Les Miz?
1: And Les Miz is the closest I have to a celebrity name drop here.
0: Well, and the only other one really uh, was- What says, Patrick, you're gonna love New York more? A gift card to Joe's Pizza, or tickets to Wicked.
2: So it's all, it's not its not name drops as much as just like peppering Cultural in some... references. Yeah, Broadway, New York Broadway uh, uh, properties. Let's
1: we were very focused on each other as a family this week, okay? They apparently have now grown to the place that they have no room for a celebrity name drop. There's no way that's going to hold for the next part of this.
2: I, I like it. Well uh what about uh your favorite moira rose line
1: so many good ones this week i think my favorite is when she is saying goodbye to the Jazz gals not to flog a metaphor but wolf pups are born blind and deaf and in your care i have learned to see and hear the beauty in the bucolic her extended wolf pup take whatever it is was both like very sincere and really unnecessary patrick what is your favorite moira rose dialogue of the week
2: okay so moira knows she's getting out of Shits creek and and you know suddenly now it's the best town ever and it smells great
6: oh, is it just me john or does the air not have a particularly lovely redolence today do i detect a scintilla of lavender
2: i just love it and i love that johnny totally is just like shaking his head at her and it's just a perfect moira moment
1: so good okay laugh the hardest and cry the hardest i don't know where to start so much on both fronts the moment that made me laugh the hardest i'm gonna go with the line when david and stevie are sitting on the front of her car Uh, did you put on deodorant today excuse me i know it might be the form.
0: It's the farm. Okay. Ugh. I smelled something.
4: It's
1: not me. All right. We can confirm. Yes,
2: can confirm. The
1: farm across the street, you could 100% smell from where we were standing. And it was not Stevie. It was the farm.
2: Yeah, most definitely the farm.
1: It's a funny like, way to get out of that story, like out of that little scene, but it was also um, 100% true.
2: Okay, so we're going to end with my funny. So we'll do uh, my emotional one. Um, I, I, my runner up of emotional one, uh, is when David and Alexis are kind of tearing up when, when Johnny's like,
3: I mean, look around family. This won't be our home for too much longer. And both of them kind of get
2: a little misty eyed. And that was beautiful.
1: It's a beautiful moment of like them as a family. And you have that realization that you're like, This family that was so dysfunctionally sort of scattered before after being into this forced confinement of this motel for the last few years is finally kind of getting to the point of like normal adult development where the children are leaving the nest pursuing their dreams and the parents are sort of watching them go in that way. And it took them a long time to get to that. Um, that really got me. That totally made me cry. I cried like 19 times watching this episode and well, that was one
2: the, of them. And that was just my runner up. My my oh. <laughs> my actual my actual moment was uh, when Moira goes to see the Jazza gals oh. and they are first being so supportive about the fact that she's not part of the reboot.
5: They'd be lucky to have you on their two-bit show. Yeah, and reboots are never as good as the original.
2: And then uh, celebrating with her when she does become part of it, and we see Ronnie get emotional.
5: Wow, Moira. I'm not as prepared
1: for this as I thought I would be. Veronica. Mm-hmm. I suppose you have something in your eye. No,
2: I just, I just don't like surprises. But it was really sweet to see Moira kind of drop Um, drop a little bit of her Moira-ness, which we kind of see twice. Mm -hmm. We see once uh, when she gets the phone call about getting the show.
6: My answer is
1: a yes. A clangorous, vociferous yes. Thank you. Thank you.
2: That's the most Catherine O'Hara that Moira's ever been, I think. like She kind of drops the pretense. She drops that. And we see that again here in this scene where she where she wants to kind of be her normal Moira self. then she kind of lets that drop too.
1: Oh no, no, let's not turn this into a Hallmark movie of the week I've done enough of those for a lifetime. Maybe just a quick
2: one. <laughs> it was really sweet to see that. Um, that these, I, I have no idea why these women want to put up with her, but they do and they've <laughs> she's kind of become a entertaining. I mean, she's
1: way more exciting than whatever was happening in the Jazz Gals before, let's be real
2: true um so those were those were my emotional moments
1: i so i talked about the how i feel about alexis's moment of growth when she gives twilight that check back but since i already talked about that i'll let that be my runner-up my winner for this as like sweet and adorable and and heartfelt as the um scene with david and patrick at the house is this scene with david and stevie really killed me
4: how many years have I known you and I still can't figure out what goes on inside your head?
0: Join the club.
1: I'm so struck by how this show is really good to that friendship. Like that was a friendship, but, you know, neither of them knew what to do with or was particularly prepared for or comfortable with. And in some ways it was like the fact that they had sex almost was out of, like, a function of that weird discomfort where they were like, I have a feeling for you and I don't know what to do about it, so, like, maybe we'll sleep together. And that'll, nope, that's not what it meant to be. Like, you know, I think, like, they have come so far in sort of the messiest possible way. They fight, they tell each other the truth. Why do you want to go back to a place that's done nothing but hurt your feelings?
0: Because I want those people to know that I'm not a joke. And that I have one...
1: David, look at this place. You won. Here we are at this like stupid giant house that reminds you of a romantic comedy and you could have it and you're like not sure. The line of Stevie's when she says, Good people do things like that. Hence the reason why we don't understand it. Mm -hmm. To me, it might have been like truly the most heartbreaking moment in this episode and it's literally about to make me cry just thinking about it right now because like they are good people, both of them. And they still like think of themselves as like not quite being good people, but they're like close enough to like having grown in that journey to be like, if we were good people, then we wouldn't be assholes right now. (laughs) So we're trying. Don't do the thing that we always would have done just because the idea of making a gesture like this is so difficult for people like us. And then to have that sort of turn around and have that be the gesture that David does make, and he goes and buys the house or tries to buy the house or whatever it is that he's done. He goes and does it and to me it that that moment just wrecks me. It's so beautiful and I appreciate that friendships and complicated friendships really like got to have that space to breathe and to become something bigger on this show too.
2: Yeah. No, it was a beautiful, beautiful moment. Thank you for getting me all emotional again. So yes, let's end on my funny note. I, both of my contenders are Alexis moments. Um, one is, um, when she did makes the very nice gesture of taking all those clothes to Twyla. Um, but then, (laughs) but then, uh, decides to take one or two back. This cute dress makes me smile.
6: <laughs> not quite sure how that one got in there, but anything else in there is yours if you want it.
2: But I have to give my funniest moment to when she finds out that Moira got the reboot.
6: Even the bracelet? Even the bracelet. And you're giving it to me? No, there are 30 diamonds on that thing.
2: Just her reaction, uh, the idea that she thinks Moira would even consider giving it to her is amazing. And then Moira's response. it just That was such a perfect little mother-daughter moment uh, that I was living for. I loved it. I loved it so much.
1: I mean, we watch this show for so many reasons, but it's like goodness and the heart and the way it does make us laugh all the time is so much of it. And I was really reminded of that this week because... You know, we got a lot of really, really beautiful comments from people about the covers that we put out and the other content we've been doing. And we get this, we get some version of this every week with the podcast, but like, I feel like I got hit with this like tidal wave of gratitude from Schitt's Creek fans for what we've been doing, but for the show in general. And just so many people who are like, this has been such a hard time. It's been such a hard week, like, especially these last few weeks, especially this year, like and that how much people really need to have that like good sweet like delight in their life that this show has been and i'm like grateful at how this show like you can watch it over and over again and it still makes you laugh that much and they are very funny it is a comedy series no matter how much sometimes they think we talk about like all the serious part of it like they are here to make us laugh and to make us happy and to feel good about the world and our ability to like love each other in it and i am so grateful for that
2: yeah, what I love is is you know everyone that I see on on social media talking about how much the show means to them, and especially like you said this week, um, uh, every, all of you uh, know that we feel the exact same way, and that's why we love doing this and talking about this show. Uh, it is a beacon of light and positivity in what was already kind of uh, you know a crazy time to be alive, that has now just become even more so. Um, so, uh, that is this week's episode of EW on set. Um, but we will be back next week, uh, to break down the final, uh, I can see via zoom. Uh, is <laughs> already getting emotional. The final. I just put episode. my hand over my
1: face. Cause I was like, I just can't imagine this being the last one that we're going to do next time. So, but it is, we will, we will be here. You guys, we have, we have so much great stuff. Um, so many great interviews still to come so many reactions to the finale, to everything of the season. Um, we just have a lot of, a lot of really great things to come still. So thank you for listening. Thank you for all of your love this week. And as always, um, make sure to come tell us what you think, uh, subscribe to be the first to get any of those things as we push them out and then Make sure to rate, review, follow on socials. Um, I know this show is like kind of coming to an end, but that doesn't mean that we won't still be making other cool stuff and and maybe even more cool stuff about this. Um, Patrick, where can people find you if they want to come tell you what they think?
2: Sure, it's at Patrick Gomez LA. Uh, and Shayna, where can I get you?
1: I'm at, at Shayna Naomi. This has been EW On Set. Thank you so much for joining us.